0: From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena, from the Plains to the Recruiting Trail, and all points in between, if it's Auburn, we've got it covered.
1: Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle.
0: This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hello everyone, thanks for joining me here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. This is a special episode with Bruce Pearl, one-on-one, sitting down in Auburn Arena. Uh, This interview was taped uh, last week uh, on a Tuesday. So when you're listening to this, when this episode publishes, it's eight days after the initial interview took place. We'll see if any news breaks between then and now, but having said that, We sat down for about 40 minutes and chatted about his past, Auburn's final four-run that was just incredible this past season, the future of Auburn basketball, uh, the perception by some that he is the quote-unquote face of the college basketball scandal, as one columnist put it during the final four-run on the national circuit. We discussed that. We discussed all the way back to his coaching days at Iowa, where he was getting his feet wet, and started cooperating with the NCAA on something uh, involving uh, a recruiting violation that didn't involve him, but he was trying to dig up dirt on another program. And in, in a lot of ways, um, him doing that blackballed him from getting Division One jobs for a while. And he had to go cut his teeth in Division Two because a lot of coaches didn't really like Bruce Pearl all that much. Some interesting comments from him about, one, the past, going as far back as 1989 and the early 90s to today, and how, really, time doesn't change things all that much when you're Bruce Pearl, because once you're labeled with something, it's hard to shed that label when other people have already have that perception of you. And his comments are interesting, because he understands it, But also, he has a different perspective on all of it. Um, I hope you get to enjoy this interview I had with Bruce Pearl uh, at Auburn Arena. As I said, it's a wide-ranging interview. It's not all serious. In fact, as you'll hear here in a minute, we discuss hair dye. Yeah, hair dye. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you follow Auburn closely, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, sit back, relax, enjoy this interview. With Bruce Pearl. One quick note, the audio on this takes a big dip, in my opinion, at about the four minute mark as far as the quality. Long story short, my equipment shorted out. I had to use a backup source that was not uh, the typical microphones and high quality microphones you hear in about the first four minutes. So after the four minute mark, there's a bit of a drop in quality, but It's still clear. You can still hear Bruce Pearl talk. You can still hear me talk. Um, But my apologies ahead of time for the drop in quality. It's not going to happen again. I know what happened. It was a fluke thing. And I'm going to have backups to backups next time as we sit down with another big guest here in the next week or two. So if you're already an Auburn Undercover subscriber, Auburn 24-7 Sports subscriber, you probably already heard this and saw it. There is video of this sit-down available to our VIP subscribers at auburn.247sports.com. It's available right now. You can go there and watch the entire 38-minute video interview. You get to see Bruce Pearl's facial reactions and how he reacts to the questions, how I react to things, how we uh, interact with each other. Um, provide some extra context uh, to the audio. Audio's enough sometimes, but why not add a little video to it? So if you're a member of ...of Auburn Undercover and you haven't already seen it. The video's been up since midnight Monday morning. But here we are on a Wednesday when this is published... ...with the full audio for everybody to listen to. But if you want some extra behind-the-scenes stuff... ...I recommend you go check out that full video... ...at Auburn.247Sports. Anyway, here's the interview. Hello, Bruce Pearl. Hello, Brendan. So, I had you in my car last year... Um, And you said that Auburn can win a national championship. And I was like, eh, okay. You went to a Final Four this year. Um, You've been to a Final Four before. You've done all all that before um, on a different level. And obviously, you did what you did at Tennessee with the Elite Eight. I hate hate it when people say, hey, compare this season to whatever. But what was that ride like this past year, considering everything that had been going on?
1: Well, I was – it was uh, it was a great run, and the thing about it was it was six weeks. Yeah, you know I mean it was, it was, it was at Georgia and home against Mississippi State. It was the next week at Alabama, home against Tennessee to end the regular season four and and all I want to be is a five seed. That that's the T-shirt I want printed up. <laughs> all I want to be is a five seed because we were five seed in the SEC tournament. We got to stay away from Tennessee, LSU, and Kentucky, too early. Florida upset LSU for us. South Carolina, Frank Martin had a phenomenal year you know for them to finish tied for fourth with us really good year for Frank gets no credit for it um, but that five c was enough for us to to advance in the tournament um, so there was Nashville and then there was Utah and then there was Kansas City and then there was Minneapolis so it was, just, it, was it was it lasted a long, long time more than any other run I could ever remember yeah. being on and um I mean, I won a national championship at Division II, and that certainly is right there, along with a gold medal in Israel. Yeah. Um, And the final four-run at Auburn. Those are probably the the three most significant basketball accomplishments in my life.
0: Uh, I don't want to go over the controversial finish. Um, And you guys, I I thought, handled that majestically in the immediate aftermath. I've never seen anything like it. I've also never seen a final four-run. But I've been a part of some – Locker rooms and championship situations where emotions get the best of us easily yeah. in everyday life, but you guys handle that so well. Hypothetically, none of that happens. You guys win that game. Do you think you win the national championship with the way you guys were playing as a team at that point?
1: Let's talk about two things. First of all, the way, the way we handled the last call. Um, that didn't happen in 10 minutes in that locker room, that happened all season long. Uh, having FCA uh, on our campus, having God in our locker room, yeah. uh, giving God the glory and victory
0: as well as defeat. And that's something you and your kids said after uh, every big win, even way before that.
1: Yeah. And so and I really think a couple of things. One, I'm older, a little more mature. Secondly, I'm at Auburn. I'm coaching at Auburn. I think there's a responsibility to handle like an Auburn man or an Auburn coach would handle it. We are no less ferociously competitive than anybody else. But we have responsibilities that I think being an Auburn man or living by the Auburn Creed dictate that we have tr- given that opportunity. My my message to my player is God put us in this position to handle this. He didn't put anybody else there. Yeah. You know, he he put Virginia in there the year before when they lost to a sixteen seed, and they handle it like men. Like God would want you to handle it. So that was the first thing. I'm very proud of our guys very proud of our guys and our coaches um, from an accountability standpoint i don't like the way we finished the game with certain things we didn't we didn't execute our fouls the right way we we fouled we made some bad plays it cost us the game and virginia made plays they made the plays to win it so you can't get beyond that yeah um, as far as the matchup is concerned sure i mean if we're good enough to beat virginia we would be good enough to beat texas tech um it it would have been hard without Schuma. Um, yeah. And yet, still, though we were we were playing at a high level, and we still had nine really good players that well, that was, were playing the best basketball.
0: Would have been difficult to beat Kentucky without Schuma. It would have been difficult to beat Virginia without Schuma. And yet, you beat Kentucky. You nearly beat Virginia, even after being down ten and coming back with Bryce's amazing comeback and the team rallying around him. Um, I almost feel like your team was destined to. Win the title at that point with mm. the way they're performing, and personally, I just couldn't believe what, what happened at the call. I know you hear that all the time, yeah. but um, I wanted to—I wanted to give um, a little levity to this. I don't know; you've probably heard of this. Why did you dye your hair before the game? <laughs> Why do you, you have that, some just for men in there? I wish I could, because I don't have any hair. But why, why?
1: Did, so, why so did you do it? So I'm like, is this 2000? Like it's got no it's got no publicity, but you had to obviously bring it up. So let's yeah. let's go ahead and deal with it. Yeah. So I had done it one other time. And it was a certain kind of just for men product that it I did was it just with. Alright? I knew it. That like you didn't even notice it. Mm-hmm. Right? And then all of a sudden, I looked, I got my hair cut, I <laughs> went, oh my god god my hair is almost white yeah and so i said to my wife i said honey can you go out and get that product i used it about a year before whatever and she brought home a different kind of just for me uh, and it wasn't the same and it it obviously we applied it the same like oh my god i went to the barber shop that day to say can you cut this down any lower yeah yeah, so thanks for bringing that up. Well, I, so I have colored my hair. At least I have hair to color. I've got hair to color. You don't have any color. You can't even color that. I wish I could color my beard. I'm I'm a little embarrassed by it. But I, I I told you guys. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to the media. I may not tell you everything, but I'm not lying to you. Why, why are you embarrassed by it? I don't know. Because every I, coach on this campus, they all do. Hair. I know. I know. You don't, and then you
0: put a little color in there. Oh, dude. I didn't notice it the day of because we're we're sitting far away back. But then I saw the pictures come across Getty, and I was putting it in my my stories. So uh, do you have any
1: other questions? Can we move on to something else? Yes. I just went. Is this 2007? You looked good. No, I didn't. I looked like I dyed my hair. You looked good. You look like you look like Bruce Pearl from 12 years ago. All right, so I'm trying to lose some weight. Are you? I am.
0: Well, listen, I've seen the workout videos and everything, and don't. I, I, it's a strain for me to get off the couch. But I've seen the workout videos you did with the NCAA and CBS. Uh, by the way cbs uh, owns 24-7 sports it's a great company uh you do some you work out yeah. you say, i remember hearing you say it's cuz you just eat too much i do i love to eat love
1: to eat uh oh, i moan when i eat oh, well, we've been we over this oh you... uh, i do yeah oh i do i love look forward to a meal enjoy that part of life but you just not
0: put down the bread and
1: the putting down the bread putting down the you know putting down the beer yeah um Late night eating sweets, I got to lose weight because everything is too tight and you know just health wise and stuff like hip. that. It affect your hip or knee. And so yeah, a little bit. So I'm trying. I now I'm actually going to lose weight just so I can enjoy gaining it back. How's that?
0: <laughs> well, I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> I, went, I went under my high school weight uh, six seven years ago and gained it in much like, more back. It was terrible. It's the worst part of my life. Uh, but you, you want to lose weight. What, do you, what yeah, do you want, I, want to, I just
1: want to get down where I... What are you weighing right
0: now? I'm about two forty. Two forty? Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's more yeah. than I thought. Yeah. yeah you, carry, I, you carry it well though. Yeah. You've yeah. got an athletic uh build. Yeah. Um what do you want to get down to? I'll have to get down to two twenty if I
1: can. Yeah, you lose about twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Be yeah. svelte. Yeah. Of Is course. having Steven sitting next to you all the time? Man, he's the metrosexual in the family, you know. He's. <laughs> Does he he's... get his haircut every day? <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't. There's nothing wrong with the fact that he takes good care of no, himself. And it's actually, you know, it's interesting both from a standpoint of recruiting. Um, oh yeah. You know, he's very involved in nutrition, so it's a great conduit to our players. Yeah. He's very involved in in training and conditioning. So, what a great liaison between the staff. And Coach D and the strength conditioning, and so yeah. he does monitor lifestyle choices and rest, diet, uh, the nutrition, uh, sleep, rest, and strength. And strength is a big part yeah, and so it's overlooked. important. It's an important part of training our athletes. Is the fact that Stephen um, is 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 a fitness freak?
0: I think it certainly helps that he's working out in there with them. Absolutely,
1: that's yeah, great. I told I, I, my thing is I love the fact that Stephen works out a lot. Just don't work out by yourself. Just make sure that, you know, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, not even coaching them. Yeah. It's just it's good to have that. I love to go down there and get in the pre-court when they're working out. I'm not it just, it just gives us a little time together.
0: Yeah, certainly. All right. So we know what you've lost as far not, weight, but you will lose that. Right. But, but you've lost your three top scores. Chumo Kiki, you know, Kiki. Hey, listen, you've seen much more basketball than me. You've been around better basketball than me, but that game against North Carolina was something special yeah. by him. And I'm sitting there thinking, this kid's NBA bound. This is gone. He's about to drop 30 and have 15 yep. rebounds. He's dominating Luke May. He was always a difference maker um, in that postseason, even when he wasn't scoring. I just love watching him without the ball. Yep. You lose him, you lose Jared Harper, who many will argue is the best point guard to ever come through here. Yep. Bryce Brown, <laughs> three point shoot leader. I'm not saying how you get back to the Final Four next year because that that's that's a difficult every year, right. no matter where you're at. Duke Duke has problems. But how do you get to the NCAA tournament? How do you get back yeah. to that?
1: Well, you know the song? Jared, yes. Chumo Kiki, and Bryce Brown, they all gone. Right? <laughs> we, gotta, we, gotta re, we gotta redo the lyrics. Uh we ain't <laughs> yeah, we don't have Bryce Brown from downtown. Uh and no Malik Dunbar or Horace Spencer. I mean you talk about five really really good players. Malik really kind of held that locker room Malik together. played great at the end of the year he made shots. He 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 didn't hold the locker room together, he made it more fun. Yeah, he really made joking. it competitive. Yeah. Uh, he had a great heart, but a great teammate. I mean just Horace Spencer in mm-hmm. some ways kept the locker together and again a great competitor, a father, older guy. He was, kind of the was old so man. bad. He was the old man in the locker room and uh Look, they all wanted to make history. Making history was important to them. And so when we saw our final four draw, and we went, look at this. And I told them, I said, number one, number one, the toughest game we're going to have to win is New Mexico State. I knew how good they are. The toughest one to win is the first one, and it was. Their speed were here, right? Speed and depth and great coaching. And I just, they're really good. And then Kansas... You couldn't ask for a better four-seed because Bill Self's a brilliant coach. They had some really good players, but their two best players were out for the year. They weren't the same Kansas team. I knew they want to run with us. Getting back to Chuma, Chuma won every matchup in every game except probably Ole Miss, oh, South Carolina, yeah. and maybe P.J. Washington and Kentucky. Exactly. Other than that, look, we don't beat Tennessee – at home or in the SEC tournament, if Chumo Kiki doesn't win the matchup against Grant Williams, who I love, I love Grant Williams, but he outplayed. Chuma dominated Cedric Lawson, who I really, really like as a player. Chumo, in Kansas game was a much better player.
0: I I thought that game to me that that when that when I watched him and obviously what your guys were doing with shooting, you're going to have nights like that where you're shooting. But what you guys were doing defensively, yeah. confronting them. I, I sat there and thought, you got a shot here to make oh, run. And I want to tell you something. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe he told us told to you. I was told by someone very close to Bill Self, he thought you guys were a Final Four team.
1: Yeah. I was told that the night he, you guys you guys beat him. Yep. yep. Bill told me that. Did he? Uh, Roy Williams told me that. Yeah. Um, you know, say so both. But those are the two best games we played probably all year long was Kansas and North Carolina. And, um, no, he Bill, trust me, he, he, he saw it because we had – you know brilliant point guard play from Jared yeah. um,
0: and Javon and,
1: and all and on Javon he the hey, come on and way he's training right now um, you know it's unbelievable how we were better with him on the floor his speed and his quickness um, the the same qualities that allowed Jared Harper to become one of the best point guards to ever play at Auburn and have the mo- have as much impact winning championships two out of his last 3 years yeah were the same qualities that drove him to go play professionally a year early. Um, that chip on his shoulder, that hunger, that confidence, that toughness, that 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 inner the inner makings. So when it came time for him to go and right now, you know, the draft is coming up, whenever this is going to be aired, he either is going to go at the very end of the second round or 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 which would even be better for him to sign a free agency, not go in the last at the end of the second round. you might say, well, why would you go early? The reason is because the same things that helped him be the great player he was here are the same things that drove him to try to be a professional. And I cannot argue with that, and our fans can't either. Chuma needed to go because if he came back, he may not be the same player next year, and then if he comes back, he'd almost like come back for two years. And as you're saying, at the end of the year, he was as good as anybody. And so replacing them plus the greatest the second greatest shooter in history of SEC. Chris Lofton was the number one. Yeah. I coached him at Tennessee. Bryce Brown was number two. And Bryce's growth and maturity. You talk about a story about Auburn? You talk about where a guy comes in from the I beginning. He came in here. As, just as far as his maturity. His maturity is, the way he was made up mentally, the way right. he
0: was handling things, was a lot different.
1: Always a great kid. Great family. But young, just young. Sometimes you say immature. And you use that as a criticism. It's not. It's well, just a way of describing what? a 17 or 18-year-old. 17-year-old is not immature. Correct. Well, some are Some are very mature. Some act 16 and 17, and Bryce was just young. Yeah. Um, but Bryce was always accountable for his failings. Yeah. And he and I had some really good knockdown, down drag-out discussions about how he was being treated and how he was being utilized. And he respectfully let me know how he felt and that was wonderful that we had that kind of relationship um, I'm so proud of Bryce and uh, for everything he's accomplished and graduating on time and and uh, you know those three guys will go down obviously in history and we talked about Malik and Horace so losing those five and then bringing in you know freshman and and Javon McCormick transfer and um, uh, Jamal Johnson sitting out you know. A lot of unknown, a lot of youth, a lot of really good kids, a lot of really hard workers. But I don't think there's any way you can equate what we lost with what we're bringing in and think that those guys in their first year, yeah. you know, could, could, they're going to be really good. Um, and We could be an NCAA tournament team again this year. I, I absolutely believe that with all my upper division finish, NCAA tournament, and then we know we're, we're, we're you're good enough. The reason why I said to you a year ago we could win a national championship is having won the SEC regular season championship that qualified us as being good enough to play for the national championship. We were the fourth best team in the SEC this year. LSU, Kentucky, and Tennessee were better than us, deeper, better coached, had better seasons. We we're the fourth best team. We went to the NCAA tournament. And we belonged with anybody. Mm -hmm. And we were the fourth best team in the SEC. That tells you how good the league is. And that tells you what an upper division finish in the league means.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Moving forward, I mean, you can't talk specifics about recruiting, but, I mean, we see things, we hear things. You guys are in on more five-star guys than I, I've seen yep. ever here, obviously, but also even during your tenure here. Yep. Doors have opened for you. You've mentioned that. Um, yep. how, do you, how do you handle that, that yep. trying to balance, yep. you know, let's go after five-star guys, but are they interested? How do yep. we – I mean, because you go in on guys real early, and some of those five-star guys you guys are go recruiting right now, how do you handle all that? You,
1: you, you're in? all over it. But here's why we're in with those guys. And I can't talk specific. So yeah. we would know, we are not in with any five-star guy that we weren't working two, three, sometimes even four years ago. Okay? I've been in my fifth season. One of the advantages of having a coach around for a few years is we get started. We lay foundations. We build relationships. Now, at the time we recruited some of those good players, they weren't five stars. Whatever they were, they were ninth graders, tenth graders. But we saw some things. We developed some relationships. And basically the line was, listen, we're not good enough for you right now. Give me a couple years and let's see. Well, the let's see was the Final Four. The let's see was the SEC Tournament Championship. The let's see was the regular season championship in 2008. The let's see is three guys that got invited to the Combine. We're not involved with a better group of kids because of just the Final Four run. We're involved with those kids because we've been involved with them from the beginning. And now there's good reason why they can look at Auburn and go, I can accomplish all my basketball goals and dreams at Auburn and get this education and the Auburn family and maybe stay close to home or whatever it's going to be and 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 you couldn't have said that a few years ago. And win so, a
0: championship.
1: Yes, and win a championship. It's not going to change how I recruit. It's not. I may get one or two. I may. I, but but we're not going to. We're not all of a sudden going to go competing there every day because it's harder to get them. Because mm-hmm. the competition is much much more difficult. And the only way we're going to get them is we build that relationship. Why couldn't I at the end of this year? Have a bunch of five star transfers for a couple of reasons. One, I got some seniors that have earned the right for me not to do that to them. Yeah. Javon, Samir, Danielle, Anthony, and Austin—all those kids have paid the price. Where not a, one of them deserved for me to go get a graduate assist, graduate transfer at their position, and I didn't. Took Javon Franco a junior college player with three years remaining, and he's a little banged up right now. It's going to be a little while before he gets to be going. And then the rest of them were freshmen. Because those guys earned that right for me to empower them. And I want I don't want players looking over their heads, thinking that I'm gonna recruit over their head every year. I want the players to understand we're gonna bring in what we what's necessary to be competitive. And if you take care of your business, I'll take care of you. You, you
0: seem to be that type of coach that just instills confidence in kids and you tell them like it is, you know, and even with kids that are like, hey, listen, you might not be good enough to start next season or, and, you're, and you are take look with these little several kids, you've been around, you've deserved the opportunity to do this and for me not to go out, go get a guy that's going to come in for a year and then erase your year and you're not able to play. Um, when Do you think that helps – just with the way the kids actually yep. approach themselves with the preparation and then obviously on
1: the court yep. when they go out there and play during the season. Yep. So so we're always teaching. So I am an open book. I have a, we have an open book test all the time. It's not a closed book. I'm not trying to trick anybody. All right. Um, has Javon Franklin earned the opportunity for me not to have brought a grad transfer in when Jerry decided he was going to go? And I told the players yes, and I made them tell me why. He's a great teammate. Even though we were traveling all over the world last year, he had one of the higher team GPAs. Took care of his took care of his business. Um, was always on time. Always worked hard. Made his teammates better. Did his community service. He so and I made them tell me why he earned that right. Now, if he was late for things, if he wasn't taking care of his academic business, if if if, if he was. Uh, uh, had failed some uh, a drug tests or different. Now he's earned the right for me to go ahead and say, look, I can't fully trust you here because you've done all these different things. So I just want to reward that good behavior. So does it promote others to behave? I think it does. As All that is, is good parenting. And um, I think I think he has earned that. Now, uh, Ty Jones will compete with him when Ty gets healthy. Yeah. Samir Dowdy has to be able to play the position. And, and it, how exciting for Samir that he could play a little bit of one and two, which I think will will benefit him in the long run.
0: Um, I, I wanted to go into this just because this is perspective uh, from the outside looking in, even though I cover you. I mean, I don't know you on a personal, personal level. Mm-hmm. But when you guys were making your run in the NCAA tournament, the final four, I, everybody kind of predicted it. it. was like there's going to be people that come out and snipe Bruce Pearl. here are going to go... Remember what he did thirty years ago. Remember what he did at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. Um, I think USA Today even had a column that was saying that you were like the face of everything wrong with college basketball right now. Um, I obviously didn't want to ask you about that while that was you guys are going to a Final Four, right? Does that stuff affect you? One, two. Do you think? You think that's deserved for people to come after you like that? And why? Why do you think?
1: Why do you think you're such an easy target? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, some of it, I need to be accountable for. You know, I'm a I'm a show cause survivor. Okay, I got in trouble with the NCAA. Uh, I also years ago cooperated with the NCAA. Um, I, um, um, I'm. I've always been a fan favorite of my home team. You ask the people in Tennessee how they feel. Yeah. You ask people in Evansville, Indiana how they feel. Ask how they feel about me in Milwaukee or Stanford or Iowa. I don't think that'll be the way they feel. But having been around all those different places, we had some success. Am I a guy that's supposed to have a lot of success in coaching? I didn't have that... You know, pedigree. You know, I'm not part of the good old boy club. Um, I think that sticks with you a little bit. Is that what motivates you? To, no. Because like, you, you talk about how you
0: feel like you have to work harder than everybody else because you're not talented.
1: Well, I do have to work harder than everybody else because I'm not, I don't think I am as, as talented. So I want to be committed and be but passionate. Why do, you, why do you think you're not that talented? Well. As talented as, as you're. Because I'm hard, because I'm hard on myself. Um, like I don't. The, okay. I gain confidence from the fact that we've been successful every place we've been. Yeah. And that's that's what helps me. But I'm, I'm hard on myself. We could do so much better offensively, defensively, you know, late-game situations. And so um, I understand that. Um, I don't see um, – I can't worry about what people say or, or, or I can't control. Does it bother me? Does it hurt me? It, it hurts my wife. Yeah, sure. it hurts my kids. Anyway. I understand that, but you know what? I only care about the people that that know me, and the rest of them, maybe this is probably, they can kiss my ass. Yeah, I don't. I I can't control what they think. Yeah, I just do the best I possibly. I want the people that know me to know me, earn their respect. You know, I mean, like I I go to work every day, trying to reward. Dr. Jay Googe and Jay Jacobs for bringing me to Auburn, but also to reward Dr. Leith and Alan Green for keeping me at Auburn. Go going to work every day. you know, And I'm grateful to Dr. Leith and, and Alan Green for their support. But that motivates me. And as long as they don't think like the rest of the league, I don't care about what the rest of the league thinks. You know what? You know they're going to like me because I can't win in tough places. Yeah. Oh, you don't think the rest of the league is kind of, like, miffed? That now, look, they've always had to deal with Kentucky or Florida or, you know, different programs, LSU and you know, Arkansas. Now they got to deal with Auburn? Yeah. The league's tough enough without having to deal with Auburn. Yeah. we'll deal with it. Get over it.
0: Yeah. Everybody, I mean, there's been stories written about it. I'm not going to bring the particulars the late 80s, but – there's the thought that you were blackballed at, by people in the NCAA and everything. And it, it really slowed down what your career, because what you're doing now at Auburn probably should have never happened. You should maybe be at a quote unquote blue blood. Maybe you should be the Kansas head coach right now, heading into your 12, it's not me. 15 years. It's not me. But, but what was it like? I mean, you're winning championships on another level. Yeah. You're having fun. You're enjoying it you're yeah. around family and everything. Did it gnaw at you at all that I, I could I could be a Division One coach right now?
1: No, because I really I loved uh, I did have to take I had to take a different path, but I loved being in Division Two. Cut my yeah. teeth, yeah. learned how to coach. I'll say this, and all Division One head coaches, it's not a criticism of Division One head coaches. Not the Division Two guys are as good. Yeah, they coach as well. Yeah, and so I got to learn how to coach and recruit and develop a program. And yes, every program that I got to um, needed a lot of work, on and off the floor, and um, and that's been just a wonderful blessing. Great staff, great players, you know, so on and so forth. And I, I, I think the other thing too is I am a total believer in and 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 God's plan. I hope this continues to be His plan because I'm loving it. I love Auburn. Um, the, the fall at Tennessee was embarrassing, embarrassing for me and my family. Yeah. I admitted a lying to the NCAA to try to protect myself from the university and over a barbecue. Pretty stupid. Pretty dumb. Um, Tennessee did not have to fire me.
0: No, they didn't. They
1: did not have to fire me. But a lot of times what happens is when the NCAA comes after you, the best, the safest thing to do is just throw everybody out and say, all right, this, don't, don't punish us. They're the guys that did it. I did it. I accept the responsibility for it, but in the big picture, uh, look, it's wrong. What I did was wrong, I made some bad decisions. I personally don't think Tennessee should have fired me for those things, but they did. God's, and I was asking myself, really? I thought I was supposed to teach. I thought I was supposed to make a difference in young people's lives. I can't do as much. So when I went to Worked for the H.T. Hackney Company as vice president of marketing. And I was involved in that company, which is a wonderful, wonderful company. I looked at it like coaching. I'm going to make the people's lives that I work with in this company better somehow, some way. And that became my ministry there. And then when I got back into coaching, a little wiser, a little, little, little softer, um, and but it was God's plan. Clearly, if if what happened to me at Tennessee didn't happen to me at Tennessee, would I have been at Auburn? No. If I wasn't Auburn, none of this would have happened, and this is where I want to be. So, in the good, and the bad, and the ugly, I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna serve him, and um, do the best I can with the gifts that he's given me. Uh, well,
0: last thing, I'm not gonna be too too long here, um, and, I, and I mentioned this to you before. I'm the type of guy. I'm so insulated from what's happening in the world. Right. And even in the United States of America, I just worry about my family and everything. And if what's in my driveway, you know what I mean? Right. Yes. Guy's my driveway. As you should. What's he doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? Okay. He's gone. Everything's fine. fine Safe. I don't know what's happening in the world. Yep. I need to be more cultured about that. Probably as a human being, but you are fair. Obviously because your faith and your upbringing, you're very very vocal yeah. with what's happening in the Middle East. For a dummy like me when it comes to... I, listen, I'm, I'm a dummy when it comes yeah. to that. What is going on there? What are your viewpoints? Yeah. Why do people need to pay attention to this the United States of America? Yeah. And how it affects what's what's going on with us? People. Yeah.
1: Well, um, I grew up in Boston. I grew up... Uh, I was born in 1960. A couple things. Growing up there, I saw race riots. I saw white kids fight with black kids because they're different colors of their skin. I saw Jewish kids fighting Catholic kids because we pray to a different God. Um, at the same time, I saw unbelievably wonderful ethnic neighborhoods and cultures that could not coexist. Um, and it was violent. Yet, when we picked teams, and I wore orange and you wore purple, I try to pick the best guys I could in orange, whether they were white, black, no matter who they prayed to. And us guys in orange shirts are going to try to beat the crap out of you guys in those purple jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Colorblind. And so we, our world could leave, learn a ton from kids playing kickball. And I realized we could get a lot more done together and get along. I just didn't understand the differences made me a better coach because my job is to put people together. 1967, I'm I'm seven years old, but I'm telling you, I remember being at my grandfather's house and keeping the TV on until very, very late at night and watching my grandfather uh, with tears in his eyes, knowing that when we shut off the TV, Israel might not be there the next morning. I'm looking at my grandfather worrying about that. And it was real. Yeah, I could hardly wait to get up the next morning and open up the TV and see whether or not she was still there. And then I'd ask him, why? Papa, why? And the only thing he could tell me was the truth. It's, it's uh, because Israel is made up of, it's a Jewish homeland. And then the other lessons of the Holocaust. He fled Austria pre-Nazi Germany. My, my, gra- my, my grandmother fled Poland. Pre-Nazi Germany, my 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 grandparents fled Russia uh, because of. If you look at uh, you know uh, Fiddler on the Roof, that was the kind of persecution yeah. was going on for Jews. I don't understand it completely. I just know that from the very beginning, um, if somehow our people have been able to sort of survive, and the worst thing in the world we've ever done is try to thrive. We've become a big target for, you know, for others who want to blame us uh, in some way, shape or form. So some things that happen on a regular basis regarding anti-Semitism or with the state of Israel. I don't understand how it's okay um, for the rest of the Arab world to have attacked Israel as many times they've tried to to attack Israel to destroy her or, you know, for example, when the leaders of, of, of Iran who don't always represent the people, unfortunately we know that, yeah. can outwardly say that he is for the destruction and the demolition of the state of Israel the Jewish people. If I'm in Israel, I'm not sitting there waiting for him to throw the first punch. And yet Israel sort of has to. So it's, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult... So what you got to do, And I, and I'm grateful that I'm in a position in this country... We have the freedom of speech, and I'm able to tweet it. I'm able to talk about it. You've been
0: able to speak at organizations. I know you're, uh, I think, at the state capitol discussing it.
1: Yeah, talk about the the, the Holocaust. And I I always thank our country and thank what a blessed time that that we can be in this situation. But just like it was wrong through the civil rights movement, these things had to be brought to light, they weren't acceptable. And over a period of time, they changed. So this same too, you know, needs to take place. And so, you know, I just, uh, we should all be able to get along and live. In, we're all, Abraham was the father of many nations. In fact, he was the father of all nations. That That binds us. Jesus was born a Jew. They called him rabbi, teacher. That binds us. And so I'm always trying to find ways for us to 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 uh to be able to get along and uh live in peace together and coexist and, and respect each other's differences. I hope for that for college campuses. And one of the things that's taking place now amongst these differences, you don't have to agree with how I feel at all. And I don't have to agree with how you I respect I respect somebody that disagrees with what I'm saying right now and has a different position. But please respect my position. We do that. I think we had a chance to, to get along better and make a difference.
0: Yeah, there just seems to be a lot of the discourse today is you don't believe what I say. So you're absolutely wrong. And it becomes a tax. It's very, yeah. What, whatever happened to, you know, a democracy where you have a different viewpoint. Let's let me listen to it
1: yeah and not even ever have to change your mind about it but respect the differences right. in viewpoints and not have to agree with everything you know agree to disagree that there's nothing there's nothing obviously wrong with that but again I'm I'm grateful you know to to leadership here at auburn the university and and uh, to to the way we live to be able to have this dialogue and my job is I want to make I want to I want to I want to make auburn great again oh wait wait I made auburn great again i'm going to put up a new maga hat no but i i uh uh, you know, and and I want people to laugh at that. Yeah. Not look at it and look at me and go, Uh-oh. oh 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 no, political. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. You can not have a sense of humor anymore either. That's the.
0: Well, we're, <laughs> everything's so politically correct and everything. Like I just want to, like I want nothing more than just to sit here and drink a beer with you and talk about our lives. Yeah. Man, it, would have know,
1: be, it would have to be a light beer.
0: Well, yeah, you, know, you gotta lose weight. You know. <laughs> I mean, listen. To that. It's silly to me that people feel like coaches or people in power or celebrity are out of reach, out of touch yeah. with humanity, and I think it's refreshing that there's someone like you who goes out of their way to make sure, to show people that I care about things outside of how i going to win this game, how yeah. I'm going to get this recruit, and all right. that. I think, I think people really enjoy that about you. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate and that. not just at all. Yeah, I hear that from everywhere I go. So anyway, Bruce Pearl, thank you for joining me here.
1: Thanks, Brandon. And
0: being human, also I agree to disagree. I don't think you should be embarrassed by your uh, hair color.
1: <laughs> I thought it looked good. Haven't colored it since uh, since the Final Four. <laughs> but here's the deal: someday when they when history is recorded. They won't necessarily see the games before. God, I thought he was a little older than that. He looked pretty good. we we'll us see the Final Four game go. Bruce Pearl
0: always looked really good. <laughs> he looks much younger. Okay. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover.